G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 79 of the WP Elevation podcast. Our feature guest this week is none other than Adam Mills from Bottomless Design out of Massachusetts in the US of A. Uh, You'll have to watch and listen to this interview to find out why his business is called Bottomless Design, why he loves working from home so much, and how he bootstrapped his business without going broke. If you've ever wondered about how to differentiate yourself from the pack and bring your own personality into your business and your own philosophies, and how liberating and freeing it is to say no to clients, then this episode is a must watch. Adam's got a successful client services business and a theme company. In fact, he's giving away a copy of his Birch theme valued at $49, which is his most popular WordPress theme. Stay tuned for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by Video User Manuals, the best, the only, the original way to teach your clients how to use WordPress. For those of you that don't know, we started this plugin way back in 2008 where we decided to make some video tutorials to automate the process of teaching our clients how to use WordPress. My business partner, Brian, very cleverly made it into a plugin. I made the videos and we put it up online and it's been going strong ever since. Uh, Right now, it puts over 85 video tutorials in your client's WordPress dashboard to teach them how to use WordPress, how to use SEO by Yoast, WooCommerce and Google Analytics. Of course, you can switch off any video or whole sections of videos if they're not relevant. You can add your own videos. You can put your own logo on it. You can use our embed codes to embed uh, the uh, videos in your own membership site. You can take all the kudos for it. Uh, and uh, it's $24 a month uh, to install on all of your clients' websites, which is just stupid. And we give it to you for $1 for your first month to try it out. So get on over to videousermanuals.com and try it out and uh, save hours no longer teaching your clients how to use WordPress and answering those same stupid questions over and over again like how do I upload an image to my website or you know uh, how do I you know add a post to my blog or how do I add a hyperlink to my page we'll just handle all of that for you by putting as I said over 85 video tutorials in the back end of your clients WordPress dashboard all right I hope that makes sense get over to videousermanuals.com to take it for a spin right now let's get back to the show G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from Massachusetts, Adam Mills from Bottomless Design. Hey, Adam, how you doing? Hey, Troy, doing excellent. Thanks for having me here today. Thanks for being here. How you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Um, Not many people ask that, actually. (laughs) You'd be surprised. Uh, So thank you for joining us on the WP Elevation podcast. Um, Very quick announcement for a competition this week. You know, we always give away prizes on the podcast as a way of trying to get the conversation going and and, uh, keep you guys connected. So Adam has very kindly offered to give away a copy of his Birch WordPress theme, which is valued at $49. So stick around for details on how you can enter the draw to win a copy of that a little bit later on in the interview. Okay, Adam, before we start geeking off about all things WordPress, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a rock star. Ah, cool. Yeah, I got on stage and yeah. Did you you pursue that dream at all? Uh, Well, you know, I I played drums, um, you know, all all growing up and and through school, Um, but... You know, it's, it was always kind of a, a part of my life, but um, sweet. Now I'm just content uh, doing websites. <laughs> Do you still play at all? Uh, I don't play that much these days. No, I haven't really played for for quite some time. Right. 
Nice. Um, that was actually my my dream when I was a kid as well, too, to be a rock yeah. star. Yeah. <laughs> you might notice the uh, guitar in the background. There. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, web designers are kind of the new rock stars anyway, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so when did you discover the internet and when did you discover the web and realize that this was going to be something that you were going to spend a lot of time and, and put a lot of energy into? Well... You know, I, I mean, I became aware of the internet, you know, in school and, and was always, you know, interested in it. Um, but I was always interested in creating. And, you know, when I got out of college, I actually went into carpentry and woodworking. And uh, so I just, I have did that for a while and felt like uh, I needed a bit of a change and always had that interest in the web. So I, I went back to school for web design. So um, was the, was it the, so woodwork... Uh, so rockstar woodwork web design. It sounds like there's a there's like a creative theme. You like creating things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always had that that creative bug in me. Cool. And did did you when you went back to learn web design? Were they teaching WordPress? No, no. That was probably I would say uh, 2006. Okay. I went back to school, and so uh, yeah, it was just. Um, it was mostly HTML stuff and uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of self direction. Uh-huh. And so was it web design or web development that they were teaching? Um, it, was, it was more skewed towards web design. Right. And so what, what kind of, I'm curious what kind of tool, because you know, there's a bunch of web design courses in Australia and the last time I looked, you know, <laughs> it's, like, it's like this thing, this unfortunate thing where the curriculum gets approved for like three years and they can't change the curriculum for three years. So by the time, yeah. like, I was actually teaching digital business at one point in like 2000 and I want to say 12 and there was no mention of social media in the curriculum at all because the curriculum had been approved in like 2009 so I'm curious what kind of tools they were teaching you to use back in 2006. Uh, it was primarily the creative suite you know we started okay. out um, it was a bit of a graphic and web design course so you know we, st- we learned Photoshop and Illustrator and InDesign and then moved into Dreamweaver and, and did a little bit with coding, but they didn't cover code itself um, very heavily. They kind of gave us the basics and said, if you want to learn more, this is where you can go and do it. And then that's exactly what I did. I just kind of delved right in. And, right. And uh, yeah, I just, because I, I, I mean, my first project in the class, I just jumped at it and said, I, I'm going to do a web a website. And uh, what was really great about that program, though, was that they, they would hook you up with legitimate needs for websites so you weren't just doing like your brother's like you know hockey team or whatever it's like no you actually would do like a you know an actual business that needed a website cool and um do you remember the first time you saw the wordpress dashboard yes that would be i would say 2010 i it was uh version 2.9 was out i had been doing um mostly html sites at that point and I just I had a client that wanted a blog, and I said, "Yeah, we could do that." And I just did some uh, research, and you know, WordPress was coming out at the top, and uh, I, you know, I, I got I got into it, and I just like I haven't looked back. It's just uh, it totally uh, changed my entire approach to to my business. So so client says they need a blog, and of course you said yes, we can do that, <laughs> and and then do what we all do, which is go research how to do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> God love the internet, eh? Yeah. Uh, so, so how do you describe what you do today when people meet you for the first time? Do you have like an elevator pitch? 
Yeah, well, you know, I, I do web design with a focus on WordPress and, and theme development. And it's inspired from the natural world. You know, I, I would say that I tend to live a natural lifestyle. So I like to extend that into my business and also work with clients that, that are, you know, doing a similar thing. This is really interesting. And I've kind of picked this up just by looking through your website. Uh, doing some research for this interview and I want to talk about this a little bit later on um, kind of explore why this is important to you and in fact how you bring this into your work and just to plant this seed so you can think about it in fact um, you know uh, how why this has become important in terms of the clients that you work with because I'm really curious about it um, but before we get there what do you actually spend most of your time doing day to day are you on the tools are you designing are you are you coding are you doing account management or biz dev what do you actually do most of the day I would say that my days, my work days are primarily split between running theme support, developing the next theme, and working on client projects. Uh-huh. So what, roughly what percentage of your business would be themes versus client services? Um, I'm at sort of a crossroads right now. It's been uh, shifting steadily more and more into, into the theme work. Um, I still work with clients and I still have a couple of active jobs, but um, the the theme work has really just really taken off uh, in the in the last year. Cool. And so yeah, it's just you know, and like with any product, you know, there's support, and so uh, you know, I, I have the support that that I have to maintain. Um, but what's great about the support, you know, naturally, like I I get to help people. But what I, what I like is when new features and updates come out of that where it's like, oh, okay, well, if we tweak it in this way, we can actually make some improvements and, and come out with a better product. Uh, so sort of baking, baking more usability and a better user experience into the themes in order to lighten the support load moving forward. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Always looking for ways I can kind of tweak that where, like, for example, I used to get a lot of questions for... I don't know how to install the theme. Well, there's documentation on it, but for some reason people were missing that that key component. It's like, okay, well, how are they missing that? What can we do? What what can we change so that we're getting less calls on this? And you know, by by making a frequently asked questions page, for example, and um, making some more prominent buttons, leading people to the support, and all of a sudden, like the number of calls for the for the installations plummeted. Yeah, right. So yeah, just listening and getting that feedback is really helpful. Do you have like a big banner at the top of your support page that says, read the freaking manual? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, with every theme, you know, there's, um, there's buttons that, that lead right to the documentation and, um, and even right on, on the theme options page, you know, where they can customize, it says right there, it's like, if you have questions, like, here's the link to the documentation. And, uh, you know, just really try to just like put it right in front of them and yeah. make it really easy. How, I'm curious. How big is your team? Is it just you, or do you do you have people? Just, that, me. just you. Wow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when so so one of the questions I've got here is, what do you do when you're not working? It sounds like you must be working a lot. I, I do. I do work a lot, but yes, um, <laughs> I would say like in my spare time, uh, I enjoy spending time with my wife, and uh, we like to explore nature, and uh, we'll travel, um, and also I'm I'm an avid comic book reader. Ah, cool. Um, does that does the comic book stuff inform your design at all? Do you get inspiration from the comics? 
Um, you know, it's it's interesting. Sometimes yes, because you know, with with comics, it's it's a sequential art form. So you know, there's a lot of them. You know, there's there's boxes and stuff. You know, there's essentially there's containers, and you know, it's just like if you think about a, a website with a wireframe. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like it's the same. You know, you can kind of break it down to some some essential like you know bare bone structures. I'm reminded of, um, I've got to bring this up, I'm reminded of one of our WP Elevation members, Grady, who's got a website called, right, his brand is tummel.me. I'll put a link to this in the show notes because he, like his whole website looks like a comic book. He loves mm -hmm. comics and he takes a lot of inspiration from, from comic books and his whole brand and whole website, everything, it looks like a comic book. It's just so unique. I love it. So um, yeah. I'll send you a link after the show. You can check it out. Oh, um, cool. What's the one thing that keeps you awake at night about the business? Uh, I would say my to-do list. Um, <laughs> yeah, isn't that for everyone? Well, isn't that? I thought having a to-do list is supposed to let you sleep easy because at least you know you've written everything down. Yeah, well, you know what it is. You know, like you mentioned, I, I work for myself and I work out of my house. So you know, I have to be really conscious about having a, a quitting time and then honoring it because you know, if I work too late into the day, then I can. I can find myself lying awake at night thinking about everything that needs to get done the next day. But what I've found is that as long as I'm realistic about the amount of work I can get done in a day, then um, you know, I, I'm perfectly able to, to honor that quitting time and, and just get a good night's sleep. <laughs> um, I've spoken to many people who uh, work from home. I used to work from home. I can't do it anymore. I have to have an office away from the house. Um, I spoke to Shane Perlman from Modern Tribe about this kind of recently, well, like probably six months ago. And, you know, he was saying that he's got a, a, an office set up at home. And, he, and so he's got a small child and, you know, his wife and dog at home. And so he has a rule that when he's in the office working, no one's allowed to interrupt him. But the other side of that rule is that when he's in the kitchen and they're cooking dinner together, he's not allowed to check emails on the phone. Do you have a similar kind of structure set up? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I try and, and uh, it can be a challenge at times to, to, you know, have that line because, you know, it's, it, it, it can be very easy to, to just be like, oh, well, sure, I'll just take one more email or I'm just going to do one more, you know, objective on, on this to-do list. And it can be easy to fall into that trap, but, um, you know, having those clear boundaries and, and, you know, knowing where it's like, all right, if this is dedicated work time, then it's dedicated work time. And if something else needs to happen, then yeah, then we need to go and, you know, focus on that and not work and, and try to really have those boundaries and stick to them. Do you ever find it hard to get motivated working from home? Do you ever find yourself just watching daytime television in your pajamas <laughs> at 11 o'clock? <laughs> no. Well, you know, I, I, I don't have cable, so that's really helpful for that. <laughs> um, no, you know, it's funny, you know, because that's a question that you get a lot, like working from home. It's like, you know, like, oh, I, I feel like, you know, you'd constantly be, you know, procrastinating or running errands or doing the laundry or whatever. And it's like, no, I can be really focused um you know when i need to so um you know it's it's because the fact of the matter is it's like well if i if i'm doing those other things and i'm not working and if i'm not working then i'm not getting paid so exactly yeah <laughs> it's a pretty simple equation isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah money is an amazing motivator it is. it is yeah it sure is um i had a colleague uh, i bought a bought a place about uh two years ago now and um when i was kind of 
kind of teetering on the edge and thinking about buying a place, his colleague said to me once, he said, you know, a mortgage makes a man more productive. <laughs> <laughs> and I must agree with him. Um, did, when, were you, what were you doing before you were freelancing? Were you working somewhere else? Like, were you working a job before you started working from home? Uh, I had an interesting path where I... When I got out of school, I actually just started working right away, just for myself. I just, um, you know, was putting the call out while I was still in school, and I was, you know, just trying to find jobs. And uh, yeah, I just like I found a couple of, of big jobs right away, which was really helpful. And then, um, you know, just I mean, like back then, it was like you know, I'd update my monster profile, <laughs> and uh, you know, so like headhunters would find me and stuff. Um, I found, you know, I had a lot of word of mouth and then, and then what happened was we moved and so same thing. I went and I updated my monster profile and I got, I got contacted by someone else and, and I went in, um, for a job interview at this place. I wasn't even really planning on, on, you know, I didn't really think anything of it and turns out I ended up taking the job and I worked there for over five years and, uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't a, a web agency per se, but I was running the website and doing some other jobs as well. Um, so I was doing that and then I worked for myself nights and weekends. And so I did that for, for a while and, and, you know, there's pros and cons to it. I didn't have a lot of free time because I was working nights and weekends, but what it gave me was the freedom where I was really in control of my business because you know I was really selective about the type of clients that I would work with because I had a full-time job. So if I didn't want to work with a client, I wasn't going to work with the client. And it really gave me the freedom to to really build up a clientele that that I was really, you know, proud to work with. And and you know, so it was going to be a really good fit for everyone. And you know, that's a, a you know, I, I was I was really blessed because you know it's that's a freedom that not everyone has, and you know it gave me the ability to to be able to have that confidence about my pricing, and you know to feel like I wasn't competing with myself. I love this story because you know it's it's I talk to um, web consultants all the time about finding their niche and about working out which clients are good for them and which clients are, are, are a good fit and being able to say no to clients who are a bad fit. <clears throat> because clients who, what a lot of people don't understand is clients who are a bad fit for the business will actually prevent the business moving forward because you spend so much time working on this project, no one's ever going to be happy with it. It's not going to be profitable because you're never going to be able to meet their expectations. And in all of that time, you could have been doing things like speaking at a local business breakfast or, you know, positioning yourself by blogging or, you know, starting a podcast or making video tutorials that would position you in a better light to your ideal client. And one of the things that no one talks about is that while you're doing that, you have to pay the rent somehow, right? And you have to eat mm -hmm. food. So I love, I was fortunate that I was playing, vo uh, playing gigs and doing voiceovers around town. So I was kind of picking up work that way. But I love this story that, that you felt like, and it's kind of funny because a lot of people would think having a full-time job and working building up their business on the side would be quite restricting, but you actually know that that gave you a lot of freedom to control your business and build the business that you wanted and not just be a general workshop open to anyone. Right, exactly. And, and now I've actually, so I've, I've left the full-time job and I've been on my own again freelancing for about a year and a half or so now. And, you know, I, I, 
it was an incredible decision to to leave the the business and work for myself and 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 uh yeah it's it's been it's been a really good choice to do that <laughs> are you having are you having fun working from home working for yourself doing your own thing well yeah because you know i get to see my best friend my wife every day yeah. and you know you know we get to you know we get to laugh throughout the day and and get to spend a lot of time together and uh you know, we, we've traveled a lot and I don't have to ask anyone for days off or permission or whatever. Like I'm in control of my own schedule. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's a, you know, there's, there's a lot of perks for working for yourself. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, so I think you've answered this question. What do you do when you're not working? You hanging out with your wife and did I ask that question already? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I did. Okay. Yeah, we covered. Right, we did. Um, all right, if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing in the business right now, what would it be? I would say creating the proper foundation for hiring theme support staff. Ah. And I'm I'm in a great place where I'm I'm growing the business and will you know towards that idea of of hiring my first employee and and it's super exciting and uh, but it's a responsibility that I take seriously too and I want to make certain that it's going to be for that you know, that highest good and mutually beneficial for the potential employee and the business and myself. Awesome. Um, and so I'm curious, how do you, because <laughs> hiring people is a pain in the ass, I'm telling you. Uh, like finding, finding good, when you find good people, it's so rewarding, but finding good people is a pain in the ass, I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. So I'm curious, how, do you, how are you going about educating yourself about the recruitment process like where do you okay so like right i really need to hire someone to help me with theme support what's the first thing you do like do you go and learn how to recruit or how to interview or or how to scout what what, what's that process look like i would say that's all part of that laying that proper foundation um and yeah you're you're absolutely right like it starts with that like self-education so what is what does that mean you know are you talking to other like hr professionals or um I haven't I haven't fully embraced that search yet. So you know, in in, in some regards, you know, I'm not going to have all the answers to that. But that's that's part of the excitement and part of the journey. Yeah, I guess one of the good things about the WordPress community is that it's quite well connected and quite a tight knit group. Mm -hmm. So you know, there's probably I imagine you can jump in a Slack group and and reach out and ask people for some sure. advice. And you actually you should reach out to Shane Pellman at Modern Tribe. He's done a pretty good job of hiring, yeah. a, bunch, hiring a bunch of people all over the world. Yeah, he's done a great job. <laughs> Shane, if you're listening, <laughs> Adam needs some help. Um, yeah, very very open to to, to receiving um, my first employee via this interview. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We do what we can here at WP Elevation. Hey, tell me about the name of your business, Bottomless Design. Why is it why is it Bottomless Design? Is that a coffee reference or? No. Well, all right. So it's twofold. All right. <laughs> the idea is that you know it's like that bottomless well of inspiration. Uh huh. And you know, so it's it's you know, so that's that's what we can you know put on for the face of it. But but the reality is is this gig started as a freelancing position. And what I've heard time and time again from a lot of different freelancers is one of the benefits of working from home is that you don't have to wear pants. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. Because I'm not wearing any pants right now either. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> That's fantastic. Have you read um, Year Without Pants by Scott Birkin? No, actually, I haven't read that one. There it is. So this so Scott Birkin spent a year working at Automatic, 
and um, and and the condition he took the job. Matt Mullen, we offered him the job. He took the job, and he said the condition is that I get to write a book. I'm going to document my year at Automatic, and so he um. He wrote this book called The Year Without Pants, which is the same reference. It's like, you know, everyone works virtually. You only ever see your colleagues from like the chest up. So the idea is that everyone's just, you know, no one's wearing any pants. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fascinating, entertaining read. I strongly recommend that mm. uh, anyone listening get a copy. Um, okay. Um, a couple of other things I want to talk about. Uh, so the, the client services versus product thing, right? Was that something that you wanted to do right from day one, or did there come a point where you where you went, hang on a second, there's an opportunity here to make some product, and you gradually tried to make that transition, or was it always something that you were going to do? No, um, what happened was I went to a WordCamp Miami, and um, there was a presentation there, and um, my biggest takeaway from the entire event was this one line where one of the presenters said something to the effect of, you know, you can go out and you can build a website and you do that and you hand it over to the client and then you get paid and then you go out and you got to find another client and then you got to go build them a different website and then you'll get paid and repeat, repeat, repeat. Or you can create one thing one time and sell it infinite number of times, sell it in your sleep, sell it over and over again and you only did the work once. And I heard that and I said, that man is a genius. <laughs> I like the way he thinks. And uh, I was like, all right, so what can I do? I was like, in WordPress, you know, it's like you make themes, you make plugins. And, and you know, coming from that design background, um, the idea of theme development just spoke to me a little more naturally. And so, yeah, I just put a plan together. And uh, now this, I was still working the for, for the full-time job so it took a little longer because now I had a full-time job I was working on my business with clients and I was trying to develop a theme so it took a, a little bit of time trying to just find that time and um, and then I basically made a promise to myself where I said I'm gonna finish this theme and then I'm gonna put in my notice and that's pretty much exactly what happened wow. and um, you know, so I finished the theme, I launched it, and I put in my notice, and then, you know, I started working for myself and creating a lot more themes since then. Wow. Um, so the obvious question is, like, there are so many theme companies, right? And, you, I mean, mm -hmm. you just, like, themes, we're all grown-ups here, right? Themes for me are like porn for web designers, right? Like, I go to Theme Forest. I could literally spend days just gawking at the beauty of these themes. The point I'm trying to make is that it's such a saturated marketplace. Absolutely. What, what gave you the belief or the confidence that your themes were going to be any different or that you were even going to be able to sell? I'm the reason I ask this question is because we've had this conversation internally so many times. We've got a pretty good audience here, a really good database of subscribers who you know, buy our stuff already. And we just kind of look at the theme market and go, man, it's so saturated. There's no way we could penetrate and get any traction in that market. So what was it just stubbornness or naivety that you went, well, I'll sell some themes. Everyone else is doing it. Well, I think what it is really is, you know, prior to making my own themes, I was, what I would do with a, a typical client is, um, you know, I could build, a, I, I had built a couple of themes from scratch for a specific clients. Um, but the typical job was, you know, you get a premium theme, maybe, you know, you child theme it, customize it, you know, you make it theirs, 
and you know, and then you add add your content and everything else. And um, you know, so what I discovered from working with clients and from my own needs was, you know, there's a lot of themes out there, like you mentioned, but I was constantly changing them. I never took a theme out of the box and and just added the content and and hit publish. Um, you know, I always was making changes to it, and so I decided to make a list. I said, well. Like, what do I, what am I looking for in a theme? You know, I had a couple of go-to companies that I liked where, you know, I would tend to, you know, we did more business with certain companies versus others, but it's, yeah, it really came down to like just making a list and it's like, well, what do I look for in a theme? What do I need? What is, what does a user need? And, and then start like shifting that, that train of thought where it's like, you're not making a theme for one user. You're making this, like you want a lot of people to buy it. So now you're making for you know that commercial mindset and like what what is a general audience looking for that's not being serviced right now and so and maybe we're jumping ahead a little with some of your questions but you know for myself i've found that like with my client list i've worked primarily with with, with women and i've just it's just sort of worked out that way um, i didn't i didn't seek it out um, but I found that like with the design tendencies that I have and you know with the way that I run my business that I get a lot more inquiries from women and so you know I, I have that experience to draw from for when you know I'm, I'm working on a theme and I've noticed that primarily the people that are buying my themes are also women and this is based you know just solely off of the amount of support that I get and so um, you know, I would say that I'm just trying to think my way through this and, you know, well, how are they using this? Um, you know, what are they trying to do with their websites? And, you know, are they using it for their business? Are they, you know, the quote-unquote mommy bloggers? Or is it more like a DIY situation? Is it for a hobby? And just thinking, it's like, well, for any of these scenarios, like, what do you need in a website? And that's really, like, every website comes down to those essential questions for me of like, well, what are your goals and who is your audience? And if you can define those two questions, then your design starts to really take shape around that. And so, you know, to get back to, to your question there, you know, uh, yeah, I just, I, I was thinking about those two essential questions and I put that list together and I felt like, you know what, I have something here that, that I'm going to be able to offer and, and be able to stand out. Uh, it's funny because I never <clears throat> thought about that until you mentioned it. Looking through your themes now, um, you've got uh, a theme called Crescent, Birch, Nectar, Mist and Clay. They are all from the natural world. But looking <laughs> through the designs now too, there, there is definitely a feminine bent a angle. Even the, even the content that you've used to present these themes, like the dummy content that you've used, so to speak, the fonts that you've chosen, um, and hearing you say that your target audience or the, the people that are buying your themes and, and your clients are predominantly female, I can definitely see that you've slanted your theme business towards towards that market. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's just, uh, it's a, a place that I had experience with, you know, like I said, working with uh, predominantly female clientele and um, so it was a place that I felt like I could draw inspiration from and uh, and you know there was there was a need there to be to be serviced tell me tell me about the natural um, the natural world 
thing that, that like, so you said that you live a natural life and that you try and bring that into your work. Um, why is that important to you? And second of all, ha, what, like, what, what kind of clients would you say no to because they just don't fit with your philosophy? Um, well, <laughs> so yes, I, you know, I've, I've always tended to live a bit of a natural lifestyle. Um, you know, I try to eat natural food, use natural cleaner, natural health, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, working for myself, well, I want my business to be an extension of that. Um, I'm not solely in this just to make money. You know, I'm making a living, so I want to be happy while I work. And so I want to work on projects that are going to be fulfilling to me, but that are also going to be, you know, serving like a greater good. So, um, you know, what I have said in the past is that, you know, I, I do all natural graphic and web design. And uh, it really, you know, it just speaks to that idea that it's like, well, if I'm living a natural lifestyle and I'm working on websites that have some sort of a natural bent to them, so whatever that means. So, you know, maybe it's, a, you know, a nutritionist or a health coach or um, acupressure, you know, there's, there's any number of things um, that, you know, any number of different ways you could translate what that means, but, you know, just some sort of a natural bent. But for example, like something that I would say, turn away from or turn down. Um, I actually I had someone that was adamant, adamant that he wanted me to do his website for some sort of. I don't even remember it specifically. I just know it was about guns. <laughs> well, <laughs> guns. I, I'm a lover, not a fighter. So you know, it's just they don't they don't fit in with with my natural lifestyle. Okay, um, so you know. I was going to pass on it, and I said, no, thank you. And he was just adamant that he's, he wanted me to do it. And it's like, it just, no, I'm sorry, but that's something I'm just going to have to pass on. And, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's never a personal thing. It's just, you know, that's something that to me, it's like, it's, it's not part of my brand. And, and like you mentioned earlier, it's like, that's something where, like, you know, I'd be making a concession to work with him. Um, yeah. Because it's something that, you know, that it's going to go against some of my core values. And that's not going to create a good work environment for anyone. You know, I'm going to be more interested in creating a good working relationships, building trust and respect and and creating a product that we're both going to be happy with. I, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I um, basically don't work with anyone in the gambling industry, uh, not because I have any, you know, deep-seated traumatic secret about gambling I just kind of don't like it I'd see how it affects things especially here in Victoria where the in Melbourne Australia with a uh, by head of population the worst gamblers in the world the more problem gamblers in when I say problem gamblers I mean people who have a gambling problem that ruins their life um, yeah. we have more problem gamblers in Melbourne than anywhere else in the world um, partially because we just love our sport I don't know what, what that's about but so I totally hear that um I, I guess a lot of people would be listening going well man how do you say no to money like you know the guy's offering you you know whatever he's offering you to build the website how do you say no like you must be crazy but i don't know what's your what's your take on that like how, how do you turn revenue down i i don't know i've never had a problem with it uh, <laughs> <laughs> um i i just uh you know part of it might be because you know like like i said like when i was starting out I was working a full-time job and working on the side. And so I just have that mentality in me where it's just like, I don't, I don't need this. Like, I'm going to be okay if, if, if something doesn't happen. And, you know, I mean, the life of a freelancer is that, you know, ebb and flow where it's like, 
you've got really busy periods and you've got really slow periods. And, um, you know, in some instances, I'll get approached by, by somebody that I just know is a bad fit. And it'll be like, you know, during my super busy season. And it's like, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter. Like, because if I were even to say yes, I'm going to be talking about booking like four months out. And yeah. it's like, you know, they don't want to wait because they want it published yesterday. So, yeah. um, you know, in those instances, it's fine. But like, you know, how do you say no when, when you know, things are quieting down? It's like, I don't know. I've, I've never worried about it because I'm just more interested at that point. Like my to-do list, like you have no idea how long <laughs> it is. Like the things that I want to do to improve my business, it's like if I get like a quiet time where like I don't have a ton of clients, it's like this is a gift. Like yeah, yeah. I, the ability to be able to like sit down and make those tweaks, it's like you probably heard that story, you know, like the cobbler fixes everyone's shoes, but he never fixes his own. And, yeah. you know, it's like, I mean, I've, I've been guilty of that where, I, you know, I'll hand someone my business card and be like, oh, yeah, but if you want like a list of updated sites or my most recent sites, I'll send you an email, you know, because yeah. they don't get, they don't make it on the, on the portfolio just because I don't have time. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know. I, I would say just have that confidence um, to, to say no. It's so freeing. It's so powerful to be able to say no to somebody. And uh, it gives you so many more opportunities when you when you say no. <laughs> I, I agree, absolutely agree wholeheartedly. Do you think having some some kind of recurring revenue from the theme sales is? Do you think that helps put you in a position where you can say no and not panic because you know there is some money coming in from theme sales? Oh, definitely. You know, like with with the theme sales now. I mean, that was the idea. You know, when I said that, you know, my plan was I was going to publish that first theme and then I was going to give my notice. And so my thinking was that my job at the time, like that had always been my fallback. Well, I wanted my themes to replace that and for the theme sales to be the fallback. And uh, you know, and 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 I can say that you know that's that's definitely taken place. And so you know, it it gives you that freedom where you know it's like you can make choices and and you can have some say in in how you you know you want your day to day to be and how you want your business to be run. Awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about theme support. How what are you using at the moment to handle theme support? Is it just email, or do you use Help Scout, or do you have some other kind of system in place? <laughs> I unfortunately am just using email at the moment, and uh, um, I'm I'm starting to research options to branch out from that because obviously there are a lot of limitations with using email. Um, the other thing that exists is that because I sell my <clears throat> themes on a marketplace, um, the marketplace also has its own uh, forum system, and so it's interesting because they actually have two different websites. So there's two different forums, and then they also have um, personal messaging within the ecosystem of the website. So, you know, there's like about five different ways that people will get in touch with me. Right. Um, but part of that, like I said, it's like when you sell through a marketplace is that, you know, you are subscribing to, to their infrastructure at that point. Is that Theme Forest that you sell through? I sell through Mojo Themes. Aha, uh -huh. gotcha. Yeah, so they have Mojo themes, and then they also have Mojo Marketplace. And Mojo yeah. Marketplace is the one that's tied to a lot of the hosting companies. Hosting, yeah. Like, yeah, like Bluehost and HostGator. Um, you know, so if so, what happens is like if you buy a domain or and hosting from Bluehost, for example, and then you do their one-click WordPress install. 
Well, when they install WordPress for you with the one-click install, it comes with the Mojo Marketplace plugin installed. And so what that does is it's just feeding like a ton of people back to that Marketplace website. And um, so that's been a huge benefit for attracting, um, you know, sales for the themes. But what I wasn't aware of was also um, attracting new clients have come just, just from having um, wow. the themes up there. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, so why did you choose to go with Mojo Marketplace and not Theme Forest? Or was it just that you haven't got to Theme Forest yet? Um, well, you know, Theme Forest, people have mixed opinions on Theme Forest. You know, um, with, especially within the WordPress community, I know that it can get a bad rap. There are quality themes on there, absolutely. But the unfortunate thing is that you have to kind of dig through them a little bit. Mm. Um, also, it's a bit oversaturated. You know, like you mentioned earlier, like that idea of like, you know, just themes in general. Like, the, it, theme forest can be a bit oversaturated. And, um, you know, it, it's a kind of thing where I just wanted to kind of stand out a little bit better and not have the controversy. And, um, you know, rather than being like a, a little fish in a big pool with, with theme forest, I felt like I'd be able to make a better mark on Mojo. And, um, and, and I can say that that's, that is absolutely the case. Um, on the marketplace, on Mojo Marketplace, I've had a minimum of one theme on their popular page for nearly a year now straight. Nice. And I don't, I don't think that would have happened um, if I had gone to Theme Forest. And then what happens with any marketplace, you know, they have the option for the, you know, you get better revenue if you go with the exclusive option. So once I committed to exclusive, then, you know, I'm getting better revenue. And so it's, you know, then you're kind of enticed to stay within that one framework. And um, they, and obviously like similar to Theme Forest. So do, do you set the pricing or do Mojo set the pricing? They set the pricing. Yeah. And they just clip the ticket on the way through. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, interesting, interesting. I'm actually just looking at the popular uh, page now and it looks like you've got three themes yes. on there. You've got Birch, Nectar and Crescent. Yes. Nice, nice work, yeah. man. Yeah, thank you. What a, what, a, what a beautiful time we live in, hey, where the <laughs> world is so connected like this that you can quit your job, work from home, hang out with your wife, you know, develop some themes, put them up on a marketplace where someone else is doing the work to build that audience and uh, you can make a good living and have a good lifestyle, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> it's a beautiful I'm, I'm thing. Very, it's, yeah, I'm really grateful. Very I love fortunate. it. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about, um, uh, I want to talk about WordCamps and uh, WordPress meetups. So we were chatting um, off camera. The, I was trying to work, see a lot of the people that come on this podcast, for those that don't know, a lot of people that come on this podcast are people that refer. So at the end of this interview, I'm going to say to Adam, hey, who do you want me to interview next and why? And hopefully Adam's going to tell me someone I haven't interviewed and then we'll go and get them and that's kind of how it works. But when we first started this podcast 18 months ago, um, we didn't have anyone. So I went through the internet and I found a list of what I thought were people who were influential in the WordPress space. And that was kind of based on people who were organizing meetups or WordCamps or people who were actively blogging or people who were, you know, had a good following on Twitter. And I think I came across you, Adam, because at that stage you were, you were co-organizer of one of the meetups. Is that right? Yeah, I was a co-organizer of the Sarasota, Florida meetup. Um, I've since moved, so I had to give up the duties. But yes, um, yeah, I was I was doing that, um, and and in fact, I, I 
that meetup is uh, is uh, doing very well actually at at the moment I believe. Um, so that's I, I, it's been left in good hands. Do you think that having that community was um, was also a factor in you feeling like you could quit your job, work from home because you weren't going to be isolated? Because it is such the WordPress community is so well connected that you can reach out to anyone and bounce ideas off each other, and that you you don't get cabin fever because you are connected to people in the community. Well, yeah, there's a lot of great resources for for you know finding that that community, and you know, so like you mentioned, I mean, meetups definitely are, are great for that, and and it doesn't need to be confined to just that like monthly meetup you know it's like once once those connections start to be made you know people will rely on them in, in different ways like I know like with the Sarasota meetup we had and still do there's a there's this Facebook page for it and so you know there's a lot of activity that takes place on, on the Facebook page in between the meetups where people will say hey you know I'm having this trouble with my website and you know the different Meetup members will will pitch in and, and offer their suggestions, um, but beyond that, um, you know, I know there's you know there's the advanced WordPress meetup on Facebook or not the meetup but the advanced WordPress yep. community on, on Facebook and uh, you know that one I mean has seen such tremendous growth in the last uh, couple of years and you know and then there's I mean you know with GitHub and and WP Tavern I mean there's like there's so many different places online for for people to to be reaching out and making those connections and and Twitter I mean it's unbelievable <laughs> like you know the amount of solutions that come out of Twitter I know Twitter's um, nuts isn't it yeah uh, it's funny I was talking recently to some colleagues and we we're saying could you live you know like if 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 a website was taken away what would you like and we're talking about could you live without Facebook and we're going yeah you can live without Facebook I prefer not to live without Facebook because it's a really good lead generator for us because we use Facebook advertising a lot to promote WP elevation but I could not live without Twitter like tw if Twitter didn't exist, I don't know what we did before Twitter. <laughs> it's it seems like yeah, like especially like the the WordPress community in particular. I mean, it just eats Twitter up. Yeah, just just lives and breathes on it. <laughs> hey, I'm curious. Just one technical question before we get into the elevation round. Do you use a particular theme framework for for building your themes? Like, do you use the Redux theme, or do you have your own framework that you use? I use underscores, which oh, is, cool. I mean, that's produced by Automatic. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's I've I've loved it. I mean, I've done all my themes on that. Awesome, you're a purist. And is all your <laughs> is all your customizations done in the theme customizer? Um, at this moment, no. Um, so I've been using the um, the theme options uh -huh. uh, plugin that that Devin Price developed, and um, so I have that baked into the to the theme. So it's not it's not a plugin; it's just uh, baked right into the theme, and and I love it. I mean, I think it's fantastic. However, for my next theme, I'm going to move into the customizer only because that's just the way that the community is going. You know, um, there's a lot of uh, there's just been that shift in the last year or so where a lot of people are getting into the customizer and so what's happening is that whole ecosystem is where the user is expecting to go to the customizer to make their changes and so I just want my themes to just have that cohesiveness where it's as intuitive and easy as possible for you know for the the use end user really gotcha 
Cool. Um, all right, we should do the elevation round. For those that don't know, WP Elevation is the world's first and biggest uh, WordPress business accelerator for WordPress consultants. So if you're a WordPress consultant and you want to learn how to grow your business and get better clients, then come on over and join WP Elevation at WPElevation.com. So I'm now going to ask uh, Adam a series of quick questions about being a freelancer and a consultant, and hopefully he's going to give us some quick answers off the top of his head. Uh, what's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? Boundaries. Uh, I would say really good client boundaries, pricing boundaries, work versus life boundaries. Like just knowing what those boundaries are, being consistent with them and sticking to them. Awesome. One thing I'm really bad at, particularly the work life <laughs> stuff. The client stuff, not so bad, but the work life, terrible. Um, <laughs> what's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Well, yeah, I touched on this earlier, but I would say uh, launching my first theme on, on Mojo Themes. Um, you know, like I said, I just, uh, I was able to leverage my services against their ability to attract an audience. And, um, you know, I, th I thought I was just putting a, a new product out there, but I, I didn't expect the number of uh, new clients and new projects to come out of it. Awesome. Um, how do you stop competing on price? Well, um, you know, I never started. You know, and, and this, you know, it kind of comes back to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier. But I would say that, you know, knowing your value and your boundaries are just so crucial to not competing on price. And I would say that and, and uh, educating your, your clients because, um, you know, I know the value of, of the service that I offer. And, uh, and I'm confident that it's, it's, it's a fair price, and, uh, but also one that I'm able to make a living off of. And, uh, you know, it's, look, it's easy to find someone who will work for cheaper. Um, but in my experience, that's something that usually translates to, you know, cutting corners, inexperience, or, you know, someone who's just looking to make a buck and not in it for the high, you know, the well-being of the client. Um, so I'm just more interested in, in having better client relations, more trust, and uh, you know, ultimately making a better product. Nice. Um, any tips on writing better proposals? I would just say really good communication. Um, you know, just being really concise with your communication. Um, make it easy for them to say yes by detailing the value that is in it for them. Um, and don't leave, you know, just be clear on everything. Don't leave anything, uh, you know, open to interpretation or guesses. That's a great distinction. It make it really easy for them to say yes. I learned that about <laughs> all aspects of business, really. I mean, even when we reach out to interviewees for the podcast, we try and make it really easy for them just to say, yes, we get this. We understand <laughs> it's going to be, you know, a good, fun experience. And we don't, you know, we try and answer all their questions. So they just go, and they're nodding and going, yep, yep. Awesome. Um, do you have a favorite tool or, or system for CRM besides your email inbox? <laughs> yeah, I would say I use a combination of uh, both Asana and the Google suite of tools. Ah, so, cool. yeah. yeah, we love Asana. Uh, what's the best way to keep a project on track? I think you may have already answered that. Yeah, great communication. <laughs> yeah, great communication. Yeah, um, being upfront about client expectations and client deliverables, um, being responsive to um, you know, to any sort of emails, text calls, etc., and then just having like twice weekly, like pre-scheduled meetings. You know, one at the beginning of the week, go over like what you're going to accomplish that week, and 
you know, touch base with the client deliverables, and then at the end of the week, touch, you know, touch base and say, all right, what did we actually accomplish? What needs to happen for next week? Nice. Um, any ideas for getting referrals from existing customers? I would just say make certain that the client is thoroughly satisfied with the experience of, of working together. Um, you know, that and, and having a, a referral policy, you know, with an incentive that you're clear and upfront about. I noticed that actually when I was doing research for this, you, you have a referral policy that offers a, uh, if someone, ref if I refer someone to you and, and they sign up, then you'll offer me 20% off the next project that you and I work on together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. I like it. Um, and final question in the elevation round, what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? <laughs> I think this is a great question. Um, one of the things that I tell all my clients is, um, you know, to let their personality shine through. And I just, I view this as an extension of their brand. And I think it's an essential component for any business. I would say, you know, for example, there's lots of web designers out there, right? But all things being considered equal, skill level, pricing, et cetera, like what's going to set me apart from another one? And I would say that it's personality. And, you know, that on some level, a client is feeling a connection with me where, you know, that ultimately it leads to them making that initial inquiry. And, you know, that's just going to create a better work environment, better client relations, more trust, more respect, and that better product in the end. Great advice. Uh, thank you for getting us through the elevation round. What's the future for Bottomless Design? Where do you see the business in 12 months' time if you manage to get through your to-do list? <laughs> <laughs> I would say, yeah, I'm just going to continue to grow the business. I want to um, develop more themes and continue enjoying life. Awesome. Um, we should announce the competition now. Um, as I yes. did mention, Adam is giving away a copy of the Birch theme, which is uh, his most popular theme on the Mojo Marketplace. It's valued at $49. Um, so in order to enter the competition, leave a comment under this video and tell Adam the number one thing holding you back from growing your business. Um, you can find this interview at wpelevation.com slash Adam Mills. That's all one word, A-D-A-M-M-I-L-L-S, A-D-A-M-M-I-L-L-S. Leave a comment under the video. Tell us the number one thing that's holding you back from growing your business. Um, and I'll get Adam to swing by in a couple of weeks and go through the comments and award that prize. Sound good? Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks. Hey, thank you so much for spending almost an hour here with us on the WP Elevation podcast. Yes. I really appreciate your time and I know our audience are going to uh, really love learning uh, about your business and the experience that you've had. Where can people reach out and say thanks, man? Bottomlessdesign.com. Bottomlessdesign.com. Awesome. And finally, who would you like me to try and interview and why? I would say uh, I'd love for you to interview Adam Warner. Oh, yes. He he is the lead handshaker at Foo Plugins, yes. and he is a wealth of WordPress and business information. He is amazing at connecting people within the WordPress community, and he has also been personally influential in the growth of my business. Awesome. I met Adam Warner at Pressnomics number two. Um, mm -hmm. We had a very brief chat, um, so he has been on my radar for a while, so thank you for prompting me. Adam Warner from Foo Plugins, I'm coming to get you, courtesy of Adam Mills from Bottomless Design, so keep your eyes on your inbox, and when I do finally get him on the podcast, I'll make sure I send you a link, man. Great. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Cool. Thanks again for uh, being on the podcast. I wish you all the best, and uh, keep in touch. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day. Well, I hope you enjoyed meeting Adam Mills as much as I did. 
next week on the podcast, we have Jason Resnick. So stick around for that. That's going to be very exciting. Jason was actually featured on our podcast a few weeks ago, giving a testimonial for WP Migrate DB Pro. And uh, I've been following Jason for a while and we've been connecting with each other. So I thought it was about time we got him on for a full episode. That's coming up next week. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe at wpelevation.com slash subscribe, or you can subscribe at iTunes. In fact, the truth is we would prefer you to subscribe at iTunes because it really helps us come up in the search results and helps us reach a wider audience. Please also give us a rating and a review at iTunes. Uh, that also helps us come up in the, uh, the search results. You know why? Well, it's, it's kind of like this. Uh, see, Facebook have this algorithm based on engagement. Let me explain how it works. If you post something on Facebook and people like it, but they don't comment, share, click on any links, or, um, or uh, what's the other one? Uh, like it, share it, comment, or click on any links. They're the four actions that someone can take on Facebook. If they take that action, any of those actions on your post, then Facebook realizes that your post has got some engagement. If they just read your post and go, oh, that was interesting, and they tell their friends about it, but they don't do anything on the computer, then Facebook doesn't know about it. Well, guess what? iTunes is a bit the same. See, computers are a bit dumb. You need to tell them what's going on. You need to tell them that you're engaged. So if you do like our podcast, please go and tell iTunes that you like it by subscribing, giving us a rating, and writing us a review. There's no point just telling your friends unless you tell the computer. You've got to tell the computer, because remember, kids, computers are stupid. Um, okay, so I hope you are enjoying the podcast. Please go and do all those things at iTunes. It really does help us. Remember to leave a comment under this video and tell Adam the number one thing holding you back from growing your business, and you could uh, win a copy of his Birch theme. I'll get him to swing by in a couple of weeks and award that prize. I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as I am. Until next week, I'm Troy D. Go Elevate.